Hello, my name is Ken Carter, and this is the On Mission Together podcast of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. Uh, We are uh, sending this out to you in the midst of the coronavirus, COVID-19, trying to share resources that we hope will be helpful to you. And uh, I'm really uh, excited to share in this conversation with uh, Reverend Alan Stanton. He is the executive director of the Cal Turner Center for Thriving Rural Communities in Pulaski, Tennessee. And through his writing and speaking, he's quickly becoming an authority on the rural church. Uh, And as we have entered into this uh, crisis, we often find ourselves in conversations that seem to be oriented toward large cities or that presume things about technology. And then someone will ask a question, what about a rural church? What about a rural community? I want to sort of flip that question, Alan, and ask you first to talk about what are the strengths of rural churches and communities that can help us during this time? That's a really great question. Um, one of the things that I see in rural churches that um, it's just part of the DNA of the rural church is that rural churches are built around relationships. And so this can sometimes be a weakness um, when you're trying to make broad changes in a community um, and pastors have to learn how to lead through relationships when they go to rural churches. But uh, rural churches, because they're so relational, they tend to take care of each other. Uh, they tend to check up on each other. Um, they tend to, kind of foster community without any sort of extra um, persuasion or push. And they tend to know when something is um, within their own control as lay people. So I can give a quick example. When my daughter was about six months old, she was in the hospital with RSV for a week before Christmas. And um, she was in the hospital for about four days. And uh, a couple of parishioners then got RSV and they were put in the hospital as well. And my parishioners would call me to say, like, so-and-so's in the hospital. Um, we've already visited her. We know that you can't actually go. So please don't show up to the hospital. Just call them. Um, so they they were keeping that community um, on their own, and they were able to make sure that community was strong without the pastor necessarily having to force that along the way or without any sort of programming forcing that along the way. Right. And what do you see in in rural communities and rural churches how are they responding to our changed landscape of not gathering in in larger groups? Some rural churches are um, they're they're doing the live stream. They're setting up in their sanctuaries and they're hosting small videos. A really great example: if you go to um, Cullowee United Methodist Church and their website, they have a video from this last Sunday. It's a short nine minute video. They're a church in the mountains of North Carolina, and it's. A, a liturgy of sorts that has song, it has prayer, it has scripture, and it has a very short meditation. And so a lot of rural churches have done that. They've live streamed services, they've put out resources. Um, some of our churches I'm seeing are just setting up conference calls. A lot of our churches don't have internet on their campuses, and so they can't live stream a service. Um, or they have an elderly population, and so they can't necessarily, um, you know, you're, you're not going to learn Zoom in a, in a day if you're above if you're not familiar with technology and you may not be on Facebook, so Facebook live may not hit everybody. So they're setting up conference calls because those are things that people in their church can understand. And if you have a church of 15, 20, 60 people, uh, conference calls are a really good way to engage with people. Um, 
a lot of churches are just making sure that their phone trees are active and they're communicating as often as possible. Um, and those are the sort of the best practices that I've seen. Uh, unfortunately, some churches and what we're really encouraging, encouraging those churches is um, some churches are just saying, well, we're not going to meet for a while. And we're really trying to come up with strategies to help those churches be as active as possible, even though they may not be gathering, because that gathering is such a central component. So we want them to remember that they're still a church and they're still in mission, um, even though they may not be meeting each week in person. Right, right. Uh, in in many rural communities, uh, the the church is sort of the the anchor. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the it's the it's the primary social institution. There aren't YMCA's or coffee shops, perhaps. And so you've you've done some thinking about what are some creative ways, even in the midst of the coronavirus, that churches can use their buildings to help people. Absolutely. So for people who are, may not be familiar with the term like anchor institution or um, stakeholder, so these are organizations and places in the community that really have a leadership role in the in the area. And so you think about in an urban core, so we're about an hour south of Nashville. In Nashville, you have several nonprofits, you have many corporations, and the, it's the seat of the state government, the state capital is there. Um, you have within Nashville, about half a million people, you have 20 colleges. Um, so you have access to multiple hospitals, education, all these kind of different things that people rely on when they're in a community. When you come down to Pulaski an hour south, we're the only four-year college within an 18-county radius, which is also about 500,000 people. So you go from having 20 colleges for half a million people to one college for half a million people. Um, And so in a lot of our rural communities, the church really is the only permanent stakeholder that's there. They're the only permanent anchor institution. So hospitals have come and gone. Um, Businesses will come and open and close. And so we're, one of the goals of the Turner Center at large is to say, look, seize this seize your role as an anchor institution. So during an outbreak like the coronavirus, we um, are really pushing rural churches to think about what that actually means. So for some churches, that might be, um, if you have internet, for instance, uh, you might be one of the only places that has internet in that community because rural communities aren't as well connected. And so with all of our college students moving to online um, courses, our rural students may not have access to regular internet. That's something we're dealing with here at Martin Methodist College with all of our students going to online programs. So if you have a church that has internet on campus, can you open up a few of your Sunday school rooms, continue to practice this kind of physical distancing, um, but make sure that students in your area have access to complete their course assignments and um, put a student in each Sunday school room and let them use your Wi-Fi. open up your Wi-Fi for public use during this time. Um, if you have a food distribution, uh, network that you normally do during the summer, now is a really good time to go ahead and start that and change it a little bit so that it's more of a drive-through process. Again, maintain that physical distancing. Um, and there's funds available for that from different places. The USDA is going to continue to fund this um, school feeding program even during this time. So talk to your local schools about um, how you can be partners in that. And then the other big thing that we're encouraging people is to remember that you're a trusted institution, that what you say is usually believed in the community. And so call your health department, call your hospital directors, um, call local physicians, ask them what they need communicated through your network. And make sure that you're putting that out for your phone trees, your newsletters, your email blasts, whatever it is, um, so that people are up to date. Because 
you might be one of the only sources of information that they're getting that isn't biased, um, that isn't coming from, you know, word of mouth from a neighbor or something. And that's accurate and, and to be believed. And then the last thing, sorry, I think I said that was the last thing, but one more is just make sure that people are, are going back to this care thing. Call the everyone in your church and make sure that you have a network that of accountability where people are calling each other to check in, particular, particularly on our elderly populations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let me uh, ask a question. We We seem to have developed a cultural narrative, especially in social media, that I have found to be pretty compelling. And that is that the way we can love our neighbor is not to gather in groups mm-hmm. near each other. Right. That's very counterintuitive. How, how, how does that translate? And I know rural communities are very different, but how can that message be a message that is heard uh, in, in rural contexts that often are very family oriented and where people are very close? So one of the things that rural communities have going for them at the outset of any sort of major pandemic or something like this is that um, we're already a little bit isolated. And so um, living into that, kind of encouraging communities to say, like, you know, the best part about living in a rural place is that um, you don't have to deal with the congestion of, you know, I-65 in Nashville or something. Um, remember that right now, that this is an example to live into like what it means to be the best practices uh, or the best parts of a rural community. And when it comes to caring for each other, um, it is a challenge in rural places because the church is where you go a lot of times to find that sense of community. But right now, what we're asking pastors to do is to help people understand that this is um, really a moral imperative, that this is something that the, the best way that you can be a disciple right now is to prevent people from coming into close contact, um, suspending the small groups. Um, and that means that making sure that you're continuing to follow up in your pastoral care, um, calling all of your parishioners, making sure your parishioners call each other. And those are things I think rural churches do really well. It's just making sure that you emphasize those practices um, on the front end and make sure that people are actually going to practice that. I don't know if that actually answered your question. Well, um, no, that, that's good. That's good. Uh, just in thinking about what are what are one or two tools or resources that would help a person's listening to this, maybe they're the pastor of a rural church or they're a part of a rural church. Uh, what are one or two tools or resources that could be maybe easily accessed by them? Mm-hmm. So if you're a pastor and you're wondering how we are going to meet um, or continue to have a worship service or any sort of conversation as a community, freeconferencecall.com. You can set up a free conference call, uh, send that number out through whatever means of communication you have, and everyone can dial in um, for however long you want that conference call to be. Um, And that's a good way for you to gather without having to set up a live stream or to, you know, go through a try to build technology that you may not be familiar with or have. And everybody pretty much has access to a telephone. Um, remember to use your old school tools, like newsletters are good. You can still mail things. And then if people are looking for specific plans and actions or, or resources um, around being a rural church and, um, and how they can be community leaders at any time, they can visit our website, um, cultivaterural.com. And they can find us, email us, call us. Um, we're here to help, and we want to be a resource for rural churches everywhere. Yeah. Uh, this is maybe where you can give us some guidance. Uh, 
large mainline denominations. Uh, what, how can we be helpful or more helpful or, or what is, how can we see uh, rural communities uh, during this season and be helpful to them? So I've been going back to thinking about the early church in Acts and Romans. And um, one of the things that is was true of that time was that churches met in small groups, right? Because you couldn't you couldn't have a you know two thousand person gathering um, because it was a good way to stamp out the church by being large. Um, and so churches formed these informal networks. They um, took care of each other. They met in houses. Now we can't do this house gathering, but those the traits that you see in that period um, are traits that rural churches still have today, that really deep compassion, caring for each other, um, a, a desire to persist even in the face of adversity. A lot of our rural churches, as you know, um, face a lot of adversity financially and sustainability um, with the demographics of their area. But I think one thing that churches can do is look at what what are those valuable traits that they see that are reminiscent of the early church and try to copy those, reflect on those and, and mirror those. So that compassion and really natural um, sense of community that's there, how can you replicate that in very organic ways? And the rural church can be a leader to help do that. Yeah, yeah. We are, uh, we're, as United Methodists, we're a connection. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of, uh, historically, a lot of rural churches were a part of charges. Right. You know, maybe with one or two or three other churches. Uh, we in Florida, we're working on kind of a missional strategy of of uh, coaching calls to uh, to pastors, uh, sort of on a weekly basis, and then they would have conversations with people across their churches. Could you imagine a a process? Say a rural church pastor each week might have a just a, a phone call with four or five or six of their key leaders. Whose tentacles might spread out to everybody in that church? Could you see? Could you envision something like that as a kind of a a template? Oh, absolutely. And so, one of the great things about a rural church is um, they're you're small, right? That's a, I think that's an attribute in a lot of these churches. Um, but you also have a wide network in the community because the the small number of people that sit in your pews are small business leaders. They're healthcare. I mean, they're nurses and teachers. Right. They're doctors. They're elected officials. And so you have this whole group of people that are gathered each week in your pews that you have a good relationship with. And so it's not just a good time to, it's a, it's a good time like to both think about um, how it is that we're supporting our community and how it is that we're shaping our Christian community and our, our church community. Um, but it's also a good time to be thinking about what are the needs of our small business owners and you have a direct line to them because you're talking to them. And what are, what are the things you're hearing from your nurses and your doctors in your church? And how can you communicate that? And the pastor, by setting up those sort of um, key calls each week, really, that is a, a really great foundation for even more communication and more opportunities to lead as an anchor institution. Yeah. Just uh, moving toward maybe one or two last questions. Uh, let's say, uh, we're going to be in this kind of season for a month or two months. We don't know exactly what it will be like. There's so many unknowns. Um, when we get to the other side of this, and that's I'm a person who kind of lives in hope, uh, if you were to look back from that vantage point, uh, 
what do you think is a mistake we might make during this time? And then what do you think is the opportunity that we have during this time? I, um, <laughs> this might be the wrong thing to say. Uh, mm. I've always enjoyed watching Rahm Emanuel uh, during the 2008 fiscal, mm. um, during the recession. His comment was, you never let a good crisis go to waste. And um, you certainly don't want to, to capitalize on things that are happening in the community. But I, it's also a really good time to reevaluate who you are as a church to find this right. kind of common, um, this common values and, and virtues that you hold as an organization and an institution. Right. And to right. really start to look at what is it, who are we after all this is done and what have we learned about ourselves? William Bridges calls this the neutral zone. And you can think about this as sort of, um, after you leave, this is his example, but after you left Egypt, after Moses led the people out of Egypt, and before you get to the promised land, there's this huge time in the wilderness, and a lot can happen there. Um, instead of rushing through that or trying to preserve the institution through that, um, think about how this might be an opportunity to reshape who we are as a local congregation, or as an, uh, a broader denomination. We're thinking about, you know, as a college, for instance, all of, we're, we're going to online um, in, instruction and distance learning as a, very rapidly, but we're going to learn a lot of best practices through that that can be really useful for the future. So um, necessity breeds innovation, and, and don't be afraid of this kind of neutral zone for your organization. Think of it as a place to really restart and rebuild. Right, right. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, I wanted to invite Alan into this conversation because he really, as I said, is emerging as really one of the key voices uh, who knows rural life and the rural church, rural communities, what it is to thrive in those contexts. Uh, And uh, really hope that some of those who are listening who live in rural communities and lead in them will will share this resource. So thanks, Alan, for uh, being a part of this conversation today. Thanks for having me. It was great.